0: Hello and welcome to Yours Mentally, a podcast that discusses issues that we all have on our mind but are too afraid to speak on. Our podcast is a safe space for anyone who wants to discover more about and improve their mental well-being. On this episode of Yours Mentally, we have with us Dr. Pragya Sharma, who is a clinical psychologist. She has been working in this field for more than nine years. She has an MPhil in clinical psychology as well as a PhD in clinical psychology. She has been awarded the Youth Fellowship Award from the World Congress of Psychiatry. We're so, so happy to have you, Pragya. So on today's topic where we talk about anxiety in teenagers, Pragya, uh, why according to you is anxiety in, in teenagers such a common occurrence?
1: Well, teenagers are going through um, growth. You know, their puberty is happening. A lot of hormones, uh, hormonal changes are happening. So that also leads to a lot of anxiety, lot of changes in emotions, which they are unable to understand irritation comes up, anger comes up, all these emotions that were not there before. So the anxiety related to, you know, these emotions comes up because their parents are also kind of uh, taken aback by the rebelliousness, by all the behavioural problems, and, and they are trying to understand what's happening. So this causes anxiety. At the same time, fitting in with their peers, having a group to belong to having friends, being bullied in school, all these things are also uh, anxiety provoking to them. Uh, Not to mention now uh, social media has come up and there are a lot of comparisons, a lot of expectations. They also want to be as popular. They also want fame. They also want to be as good as their peers. So all these things bring up a lot of anxiety. Uh, Also, they take on their parents, anxiety from their parents in terms of uh, having an academic uh, pressure, wanting to perform to their expectations. So there there are a lot of things happening in their life in terms of personal relationship, in terms of wanting to have a good career, uh, fulfilling the expectations of those around them. So, so everything just builds up.
2: Okay, so we uh, undergo this turbulence of emotions when there are changes happening in our teen years, and we might depict mood swings, but how do you recognize if these mood swings are just hormonal
1: and are not telling of like a possible disorder so when we uh, categorize something as a disorder it has to fulfill two things one one is that it has to be really distressing to the person who is undergoing these emotions so we might all experience sadness uh, to some extent uh, every day in little streams something happened it made us sad but is this sadness continuing over a prolonged period of time? Is this causing me distress? And the second uh, thing is about dysfunction. Is it causing dysfunction in my life? Is it making me not do my homework? Is it making me not want to talk to my peer groups? Is it making me very angry at my parents? And all these emotions are not Fleeting, they are not something that happens in a moment and are gone the next moment, but they are going on and on over the number of days. That is when we would start to think that maybe this is a problem apart from just being an adolescent.
2: Okay, um, so should every teenager go for therapy at least once in their teenage years? Do you think it's something that they should do?
1: I, I wouldn't say that therapy, uh has to be something that they have to uh, go through. But going to a psychologist or a clinical psychologist for a session or two might help them understand what is happening within their bodies in terms of the hormonal change, might help them know how to adjust to the changing environment around them, how to adjust to the expectations of peers and parents and teachers, So just to know how to work through these feelings that are coming up for them. But I still don't think, I mean, it's not like it should be a mandatory, but it should be more uh, up to uh, the person's own uh, feelings. And if the person feels that, yes, I I would be helped probably if I consulted someone. So
2: um, would therapy benefit? I don't know. You say therapy would benefit in a way to become more self-aware. But don't you think that there's a culmination of a lot of things like you said happening in your teenage years that like a therapist will not only talk I had to find useful coping mechanisms to sort of go through all of those really really hard times that we have with the pressure we put on ourselves from various various things happening in our lives
1: yes exactly but I still would not feel that it is to be a mandatory thing I would say you know something in the manner of a workshop, a group workshop would work great, because a lot of adolescents go through the same issues. It's not like they have very different issues that need to be talked on an individual basis. So of them rather than going in for individual therapy. Uh, The reason why I'm saying this is also because when I talk to a group of adolescents together about these same issues, then they are also more likely to talk about this with each other and to understand that they are not alone in what they are feeling. So that sense of everyone coming together, everyone feeling the same, also gives them a sense of solidarity that, okay, I'm not alone and I, talk to, I can talk to my friends about it. Rather, if I only do an individual therapy session with them, they would still be struggling with the feeling that maybe I am the only one who, has, who is having a problem All my peers seem to be uh, uh, adjusting wonderfully. So, so I think a group workshop of a kind might be more uh, feasible rather than something to do with individual therapy with every single adolescent.
0: Right. right so pragya i want to ask you there are many instagram uh creators like you know these content creators who put out videos like if you are showing the following symptoms you have anxiety or you have depression and most of them are not licensed therapists uh they're not they don't even have a psychology background so do you think these people have uh, a sort of an impact on teenagers which maybe you know even though they don't show those symptoms they manifest into you know having those symptoms does it become like
2: self-fulfilling like i understand what he's saying. you feel like you're having it even though you might not just because it's what you see everywhere
0: so
1: So, so i'll tell you something there's medical students start studying medicine in in mbbs there's this phenomenon called the medical students disorder so whenever they are feeling whenever they're reading something they're like I think I have this disorder. I think, you know, I feel this and this and this, and and I have this disorder. So that happens to a lot of us. And which is exactly why looking up symptoms of a disorder on Google is something I would never recommend someone. Because what Google shows up is the disorder which has the best SEO. Mm -hmm. It's not about your symptoms. It's about what has the best search engine optimization. So Googling your symptoms or reading symptoms on someone's profile or somewhere and trying to tell yourself I have this is not going to help. If you really feel that you have this, then it's better to consult a professional in that field to check that's that's the best thing if you want to do. If you don't want to do that, at least don't make yourself feel that yes, you're anxious. Anxiety is a very common phenomena and anxiety is there for a reason. It is, it has evolved from a you know old age, from a very long time because it it serves a purpose. For example, if I am never anxious, I will never study for an exam. Why would I? Why would anyone? It's only that anxiety which makes us feel that I have to study for this exam, or an anxiety that might tell me, okay, I have to not do this particular thing because it's dangerous for me. If I was not fearful of anything at all, then I'll be bitten by snakes and whatnot. So anxiety to a certain extent is common and normal. It is only a problem when it becomes something so problematic that you're not able to function in your daily life with it. So so you have to understand the difference. We all go through anxiety at some point of the time or another, going for interviews, uh, studying for an exam, all these things, everyone has anxiety and that's normal. But if it doesn't let you uh, perform an exam, if it makes you feel that I have forgotten everything that I've learned and I can't write down anything now and my page is completely blank, then it becomes
2: kind of like in the York's Dotson law, where you have to be stressed to a certain extent to perform a certain amount.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: So yeah. uh, there's immense value in the, the kind of elementary support anybody but in this case specifically teenagers receive when they talk to somebody about their mental health concerns so what are some things we can say to our friends to offer that kind of support because we obviously don't have the knowledge that a licensed therapist would so what are things that we can say that can help them feel better or help them hopefully do what might benefit them most.
1: I think the first thing is to normalize what they're experiencing, to let them know that they're not alone, that a lot of uh, peers are going through the same things. Uh, For example, right now in COVID, it's, it's very important for everyone to understand that uncertainty is there for everyone and no one is doing good, even though the social media might show you everyone is baking or making the most of their time learning 10 different languages. And what not. But the truth is, everyone is trying to just go through every single day. So social media is not an indicator of reality. There are people suffering. There are people who are just trying to be okay with everything that's going around them. So telling them that they're not alone is important. Asking them if you can help in some way is important because Sometimes they just don't know who to go to. They don't know who to talk to. So just offering support, offering an ear to listen. That's really good enough because sometimes people just want to be heard out. They don't want solutions to their problems. They would just want someone to listen to what they have to say. And the third thing is that you can also tell them that it might be helpful for them to seek professional help and if so, then you might need to tell them that there is no stigma, there is no taboo. It is all right to go to a mental health professional as you would to a doctor for your physical health needs and that it's completely all right. So I think just doing these three things in terms of normalizing it for them, uh, telling them that you are there, and for them to seek professional help should okay, be okay. So can start. I just
2: ask you a follow up question about this? If suppose they confide in you about something, and they and it's something really serious, but uh, they tell you that oh you can't tell my parents or whatever you'll break my trust. You, I mean, what? Sh- what does one do? Because we're practically the same age. It's not like we have an immense amount of knowledge to guide them through something so monumental. So, what steps do we take to help them out of that situation?
1: Uh, even in a clinical psychologist, even in our profession, we talk to clients constantly about privacy, constantly about confidentiality, but even at the outside of our sessions, we tell them that there are a few times where we will have to break this confidentiality because of the serious nature of the problem or because of the law. And some of these things uh, involve uh, the person being suicidal, the person being homicidal, and when someone else might be in danger, when the person is abusing the other in some way. All right. So we do have certain rules where we will break confidentiality. So I think even with your peers, with your friends, you might have to assess that this is when I might have to break my friend's trust because this is in my friend's best interest. So if the person is suicidal or harming themselves or abusing someone Uh, else then you might have to break their trust and they will not get you in that moment they will completely feel that you have broken their trust but once they are able to see the situation from an outsider's perspective or after a couple of months a year I don't know how long but they will understand why you did it.
0: All right Uh, so Pragya what kind of environment do you suggest that schools and households should create to promote good mental health?
1: A place where a person feels safe is important. A place where a person feels that they can talk about whatever is happening is really important. So just these two things will take care of a lot of problems that a teenager or a adolescent feels, because if they feel that they're in a safe space and they can talk to anyone when something something happens, for example, bullying happens really often and even more so now with the online bullying that's happening so if a person has if an adolescent has someone to talk to it about with a parent or a teacher it's, it's it's a good way because then the elder can at least you know take over and figure out what needs to be done in that moment it is it becomes a problem when the adolescent feels alone when they feel that I cannot tell this to someone I can't talk to anyone because they will blame me or they will scold me and it will always be my fault so the environment that needs to be built is of trust that whatever you say we will trust you whatever happens to you we are here for you not everyone is your not everything is your fault so when we keep on constantly blaming an adolescent the adolescent feels that I will be scolded no matter what. So I cannot tell. So it's the adult's response in these moments of crisis which makes the adolescent feel, okay, next time will or will not I tell this to the adult in my life. So just an environment where the adolescent can communicate what is happening. So an environment where a family sits down over a dinner table and talks about what happened in their day and shares everything and encourages the adolescent to talk about his or her day. So these environments, I believe, are important to create.
0: Right. Before we end this, I just have one more question. So, like, before we, you know, started recording this, I just read on the, uh, I read some article that said that uh, 10th and 12th grade are going to have boards in June, which means our pre-boards are going to happen in February, which means our whole year gets pushed to longer than it's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, even though they don't study, they're still, you know, sort of anxious because it's way too long that, you know, they're stretching it. So what is something that you would tell them that, you know, to maybe be a little less anxious? Because I know that even though they don't show it, I'm pretty sure most of them are worried about their future and even the present for that matter. And, you know, just everyone. And and then there's, there's school that gives us a lot of work. So what is something that you would tell them?
1: I think one of the things that in India, as students, there's a lot of competition. So we are constantly thinking about competition. We are constantly thinking about the time we are wasting. My six months or my four months are extra than they would have been the previous years. I would fall behind all my peers, all the people who have gone uh, in front of me. So I want to say, we probably, in Asia our two are too hard on ourselves. If we if we look at the Western countries, they take a whole year gap, they travel the world, they relax. And here we are figuring out, oh my God, I am wasting four months of my life. It's just four months. It's not a big deal. When you look back into this time, you will not be worrying about it. It really doesn't matter. Yes, but as, as far as uh, having a lot to cover is uh, concerned, then it it might be better to have an early start. So now that you know it is going to happen and we have a lot of work, you might want to manage your time better. You might want to talk to your peers about how they are dealing with it, to maybe form study groups so that everyone can do a little bit and all of you would have more to cover in that sense. Or you might even want to talk to your teachers about the concerns that you have about how to cover all this in a short span of time. Or might want to take in your parents' help to if they if you need a tuition, if you need a coaching, if you need someone to explain you the facts. But just having a kind of schedule for yourself in terms of every day would help. And also a little bit of planning for the next couple of months. So you would know, all right, I will be able to cover so much in this much of a time. So just having a little plan will make you breathe easy. Otherwise, it just seems like an insurmountable task to cover. But when you break it into smaller goals, it seems like, all right, okay. if I only have to think about today, and I have to study for four hours today, I think it's doable. But if I look at four months of work right now, it will be very overwhelming.
0: Right. Well, that was quite uh, a good episode. I feel many will be able to relate to this. Like, I mean, I could. I'm sure Juhi could as well. Thank you. So, uh, thank you, Pragya, for being with us. And to everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.